0: Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, a podcast monthly about role-playing games and stuff that interests us. My name is Michael Kuehl and I'm Roger bell West. And this month we're going to be talking about um, the weather, about things that are too complicated for us, and about Innumene, a game of angels and demons. Those of you who were listening last month, um, we know there was at least one of you because he complained at this point, will have been aware of the heavy fall of rain on uh, Roger's Pool House where we recorded um, last month's um, episode. Uh, We're doing better this month uh, because we're indoors and there isn't any rain outside at the moment. But this uh, made us think of atmosphere and the uses to which things like weather can be uh, put to improve your realisation of the scene when you're GMing. Uh, This, I think, is part of a section which we should call uh, how to GM good. So, Mm -hmm. I think, Roger, I'd like to ask you for guidelines, because I know I'm not as good at this as I should be. I feel much the same way, alas,
1: but, uh, well, thinking about weather, um, it it has some fairly direct effects, and if, if you have a tactical, war y sort of system that may well be rolled into it already, things like how far away you can see somebody, or yeah. if, if there is deep fog, you probably can't shoot them with an arrow on the other side of the valley. Um, but go, going beyond... Yeah, but, but that doesn't solve the problem about what the weather should be in the first place. That's a different segment. That's a different segment. Oh, good. We've got two segments out of this. Things like travel speeds as well. This, mm. this is... It is going to apply much more in a low-tech setting. Um, but even now airports can get closed by fog or yeah. volcanic ash.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I haven't used volcanic ash ever. I just need uh, I just need uh, an immortal supervillain dwelling in inside a volcanic area and then I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and of course most space weather will simply kill you.
1: Yeah. But this is in common with most things in space. So that, that really depends on what tech you've got in that particular setting. Um Go, going on slightly from the atmosphere side of things, I mean, that that that's weather as an obstacle to throw in people's paths. Yeah. Snow, um, there's floods, dozens yeah. of things, yeah. In a magical setting particularly, uh, weather often reflects the mood of the land as well. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the, the, thinking of the, of the film Excalibur as a really blatant example of this. I try not to think of the film Excalibur. As things gradually get worse and worse, the the skies are always cloudy and yeah, everything is a bit more dark and grimy and so on. And, and I think weather is a good effect of that. I mean, the, the Gaia hypothesis is kind of out of fashion in science fiction these days, mm-hmm. but I think you can still get away with that sort of thing in in a. Um, How do you sell this?
0: I, I mean, from a from a cinematographer's point of view, from a then then that's fairly that's fairly straightforward. You show them the. Uh, the darkening weather, the sky is overladen, and, and the cursed, blighted um, state of the land, but as a GM, how do you communicate that to players?
1: Well, I think sim- simply making a point of describing the weather every so often is probably <laughs> a, s- a starter. And a, a lot of, and I'm going to spread out a bit into other senses as well here, but I think a, a lot of Conveying an atmosphere is not so much thinking of the thing that, thing that needs to be mentioned, as in weather, mm-hmm. it's finding the right way to say it that will hit an emotional resonance for the players. Yeah, good. One of the classic things, and something I, I try to think of but don't often manage it, is senses other than sight and sound. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's the standard description. You you can see across this ten-foot room the orcs or whatever, and they, they are shouting at you in a menacing manner. Other senses, particularly smell, mm-hmm. um, is can be a lot more visceral. Um, and there, there are neurological reasons for that. And yeah. it, it goes in at a different level of the brain. However, what, what you need to do as a GM, assuming you don't have special effects of smell, is not just describe the smell, even if it's terribly accurate. It's find the thing to remind the player of the smell that he has experienced, mm. and therefore... Can, can make the association with And I, I wonder sometimes how many people have actually met rotten meat these days, and as actually rotten several weeks dead. It's not uh, a usual Very unusual few.
0: Clue. Very few you will. I have smelt re- some really disgusting things in my time. Um, some of the very specific... The smell of raw sewage um, is something that I think everybody has been to... Um, Poorer countries will 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 we'll, we'll recognise, and everybody who's been out um, in the countryside, where, where regular um, municipal water is like is, is less easily come by, will recognise. Um, so, uh, there are certain plants whose smell of decay uh, will hit hit, hit hit me quite frequently. Um, it's I, very easy to see who's met a
1: <laughs> I like
0: it, but. <laughs> Uh, never mind. There are, I have actually done, um, uh, at least once, a a scent, a special effect um, when uh, running Empire of the Petal Throne, um, because uh, one of the enemy races was, uh, there is described as having the smell of musty cinnamon, and I brought along a small pouch and said uh, to to the players here, sniff this, that's Mm -hmm. what you can smell coming up the corridor. But I'll agree, it's desperately hard to do. Scent, taste is almost impossible, I think.
1: Well, that depends on how, how strict you are about what you mean by taste. And a lot, a lot of what we conceptualise as taste is, in fact, smell.
0: Yeah, true. Well, the true, true, two are bound together. If you if you lose one, you tend to lose the other.
1: Well, you have got a very crude taste sensor. There, there are four things that it can either register yeah. or not, and everything else is done through through the smell. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, I think one needs to find resonant things to say as as a, as a first boss so this is where it helps to be gaming with one's friends True. or at least people one knows reasonably well find out the things that, that uh, interest them uh, I don't think one needs to go to the extreme of I think it was White Wolf's Wraith which said find out what your players are scared of and hit them with that because I'm not a psychotherapist here <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: That's a sort of anti-psychotherapy
1: there. But um, f- finding things that will resonate to the players is, is is a key point. As for putting over weather, I think look, looking at other senses is, is important here too. It, it's not just, it's raining. Mm. It's the road has turned to mud. Um, your feet are wet and cold. When, when you try to pick something up, your hands are wet and cold and slippery.
0: Your boots are sticking uh, are sinking so deep into the mud you're going to have to abandon them. You can feel the hail... Even through your, uh, even through your warm win- win- winter, winter clothing, as it seeps down into uh, uh, into your skin and into your bones, yes, you can do a lot with the sense of touch and body sense. Yeah, not 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 so much. Not too prescriptive. You can yeah. you can overwhelm, but but yes, uh, th- make make them feel what their what their characters' bodies would be feeling. Yes, I'm also thinking
1: more generally, rather than say, over there you can see, here, whatever, mm. a condition, it's, this is how it's affecting you. Um,
0: give examples.
1: Well, a- as with the one you were just saying, mm. that, that the hail mm. is running, it's not just, it's hailing, uh, it, it's running down your neck. Mm. Um, the The wizard looks smug because he's got the spell that lets him not get wet in the rain. <laughs> Even if this doesn't have any particular game effect of lost fatigue points or whatever, yeah, it, it's a, it's a good bit of colour. It's a good bit of
0: immersion. It tells them they can't stay where they are. They've got it's a whip. Um, it, it, move, it moves it moves them on. It, it presents them with with the problem that the universe is, is throwing at them. Yeah,
1: it it can be a push, but I don't think it always needs to be. I mean, if, if you just mention yes, it's still raining. Mm. So, sooner or later, the players will notice. Hang on a minute, it's been raining for rather a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. That, that that falls a bit
0: high. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've never done a biblical flood one of these days. That's, that's a thought. I should try that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: um, with, within my lifetime there have been um, heavy-going winters where people lost cars in snow for oh, several months. Them, yeah. um, and I think this is not a thing people are particularly used to these days. Mm.
0: We do tend to be... Um... Protected, and as I'm getting older, I'm I'm really, really more and more grateful for it. But uh, yeah, making real to to the players how vulnerable they are is important in every uh, adventuring, and and especially in every horror setting.
1: I think it might even be a good tr- good contrast in in a heroic fantasy setting. Yes, you are, you are big heroes, who can, who can slaughter a legion of bad guys, but. You, you, you still appreciate a hot drink when you've just been trudging through the snow. All right. th- th- those of you who The small overlap of people who are both listening to this and have been to my house will notice that there is a slope all the way across the front. This gets interesting when it is snowy or icy. Oh. <laughs> I've noticed it a lot more since I moved here.
0: Yeah. All right. We can do better with this, and we shall so have to try. I will note that there are... When I get elaborate, I sometimes get disturbing. I, I think I mentioned the um, the incident with a, a young lady at one of my convention games who, uh, who was very, very struck. She said uh, my description of zombies, um, rotting flesh, foul smell, gave her nightmares for some t- time a- afterwards. And I felt that was just my standard, um, slightly over-elaborated zombie. But, um, well knowing people's triggers is is useful both for um, both for triggering them and for avoiding triggering them the
1: first session i ran for the uh, cambridge wednesday night group happened to involve an autopsy of an alien described in some detail This happened as as it occurred just after the food had arrived <laughs> and they seemed entirely happy with it and that may well be one of the reasons i've stuck with them <laughs>
0: Talking of taste, I did once again in a Tecky game run a small in-game uh, banquet uh, to simulate the um, players having uh, having a banquet with their new found um, patron, and went out to the market in Cambridge and found every odd looking meat and dip and, um, <laughs> uh, and and vegetable I could find, and brought it along um, to give us some sense of um paper plates and made everybody lie around as if on couches. <laughs> to give a give a sense of reality, I did not manage to bring in the the, the naked dancing girls, but next time maybe. In Cambridge, it should be easy. Yeah, well, I, I don't have the connections in Cambridge, Oxford. Maybe <laughs> I think we've uh, we've we've battered away at this. Let's move on to the second bit.
1: Thinking about calling it, roughly speaking, how to cheat. There are things going on in any vaguely interesting game world which are simply too complicated and painful to simulate in detail. And
0: weather was one of them that, um, uh, that triggered this thought process.
1: And economics is quite often another one. Yeah. So, how does one produce realistic effects?
0: All right, well, how does one? I remember um, when I was um, much younger and much more simulationist. Um, using the weather generation set system in harm to pre-plot out what the weather was going to be um, days in advance of my, my players, um, wherever they wanted to go, this was what the weather was going to be. I had a sense of it being realistic. Um, I, of course, managed to totally lack any sense of it being um, appropriate to what was going on in the game, which is what we were talking about earlier. And yet, on the other hand, one wants to avoid the sense and if if reality isn't that magical, of the players seeing one working the scenes beforehand, everything you put into a game is going to be questioned by some (laughs) player or or other. Um, I think I've mentioned before that a friend of mine calls this the unicorn problem, that you sit down and lay down the law on anything in a game, and you will find that one of your players is an expert on the matter. I've not yet had a meteorologist sit down at the table with me, but it's only a matter of time. To some extent, one can co-opt the player. Yes, that's true. Um, Certainly, I
1: have one player in my World War II game who knows vastly more about it than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will occasionally bounce ideas off him beforehand, and I certainly ask him to fill in detail during the game. Uh, If if the the party is uh, messing around on a battleship, Mm -hmm. he knows more about it than I do, so I'll, I'll ask him to describe things as necessary. But I, I think my general approach, and it's a fairly lazy one, is that the the bit that has to work is the thin layer that the players are actually in contact with. Okay. If, say, nobody is casting great big weather magic, mm. then a random weather generation table is probably fine. If, if mm-hmm. nobody's hauling huge piles of gold out of a dungeon, then a fixed price list will probably do... Yeah, well, this, the problem with this... Uh, is that when things do change in the campaign such that there ought to be an effect on whatever it is one's been simulating in this yeah. way, uh, one, one's at something of a loss for it. What I would like to do, and what, what I try to do sometimes, is have a fairly basic random simulation system but have lots of knobs on it that one can tweak. Okay. The- so in in, in in the case of whether you might well say, all right, let right, let, let's have a score for baleful effects of dubious magics, which we can simply increment or decrement as the players do well or badly. Fair
0: enough. Well, that's one, um, okay, one simple, one simple tweak, but the fact is complex systems are complex. Uh, it's, it's, it's all right if you can put magical meaning into, um, into, into, into the effects of what the, what the players, players do magical thinking works, um, for magical games. But it's less easy to do with things like, uh, like economics. I, I have no no, have no game system which uh, where, which has a spell cause worldwide economic crash, and I've mentioned <laughs> it. It's only a matter of time.
1: Uh, I've heard good things about Fief as a simulator for small scale, uh, you know, the, the the castle and the town and the, the local holding.
0: Yeah, the, uh, Fief. Um, are we talking about the book? Because yes. I've. I'm not seen it as as a. It's certainly a, a, a good description of it, but I don't think it makes it as a simulation. I'll mm. go back and check. My memory's imperfect. In, in I do have copies.
1: And um, look, looking at complex systems that interact with PCs, though, um, mm. if one of them is certainly the plans of the enemy. If you have the sort of large-scale enemy that many games do, yeah. whether that's a conspiratorial side or, or just um, A li- big-bag,
0: li- big e- e- evil, semi-mortal magician with his, living in a, a, in a volcano. Which yeah, but, but
1: then his lieutenants and their subordinates and so on, yeah. d- down to the um, monsters that are starting BC, can have a go at. And if... Yes, let's say the PCs and mice nibbling around the feet of the, of the um, giant evil, whatever. Um, they, they are they are going to bite its toe. What is it going to do? Um, yeah. How does it react? How much, in the way of
0: resources, is it going to throw at dealing with the problem? Mm. Or is just enough to be challenging and not enough to squash is what you're aiming for? Well, yes and no. Um,
1: this, is, this is something that one does see, in, particularly in a lot of modern games, where that the emphasis is on every, every challenge is just barely surmountable.
0: And th- this is something that's quite explicit in recent D&D. Yeah.
1: I'm, um, I'm
0: reading um, the Zalazni Quartet for Knight's uh, no, Black Agents, and, and I keep thinking, they're never going to survive all of this. <laughs> but I, I
1: do think that uh, some, sometimes there should be a wild mismatch. Hmm. Um, if there is, if the bad guys throw too little in, then, then the PCs beat it easily and, and feel happy which is good and overconfident which from the Joe's point of view is better. Yeah. Um, if the bad guys throw in too much then the PCs re- realize that they need to run away sometimes. Mm. Um, an example of this, I'm running a madness dossier game at the moment. I don't want to give too much away about it because this will probably come out before the next session is run yeah. um, but some small players in the great big evil plan have become aware that someone is, the PCs are working against them. Um, they've got one PC actually identified and their immediate reaction is is, is to send a, a bunch of uh, slightly supernatural thugs after that person. Um, meanwhile, the players were saying, "Well, what what are these guys up to? We, we need to try to provoke a reaction a bit more." <laughs> and went 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 off to their thing, which had indeed provoked a reaction. <laughs> um, but what what they're also doing is considering that 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 person might have friends, but they don't know who they are. So, oh, oh, the the last few hires at that company are being looked at quite carefully, and there's a whole lot of internal security paranoia going on, which, from the PCs' point of view, may well be a good thing.
0: I'm losing track of of this. I, I think, I think the problem is, the problem is that uh, you've got the black box, effectively, intellectually, for 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 people like me who are not. Um, Nobel Prize-winning geniuses. Well, I noticed the Nobel Prize in economics was given jointly to two the, 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 this the, this year to two people who totally disagree with each other. Okay. Uh, it's a black box. I don't understand how the inputs connect with the outputs. And I'm willing to bet that almost nobody does.
1: How do we like make the, that... There are certain principles that will at least produce mostly consistent results. OK.
0: Now, all right. I, 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 what I was going to say was, I, how do I make that um nitpicking player proof <laughs>
1: pick a theory and stick with it uh-huh taking economics as an example um right. since i have a degree in this and i've even occasionally been paid for having that um bro- broadly speaking you, you can work in terms of the government feeling rich or poor yeah uh if it's feeling poor then it's going to try to cut expenditures and re- raise taxes and raise revenues and so on if it's feeling really poor it may well start a war
0: is that, is that what you would recommend is,
1: um no but it but it's the only it's the only option the Nazis had for example
0: um, other other than not being Nazis but <laughs>
1: all right um but basically look at historical examples um mm. f- find, find a historical example that's more or less parallel to what you what you're trying to deal with and, and yeah. see what happened um, you don't necessarily need to understand fully why. It may well be that nobody does, but you can at least say that this stuff has happened historically at least once, and you can throw that example at your nitpicker. Uh So, for yeah. example, the, the, the crash in gold prices in Spain when they started hauling huge amounts of it back from the New World yeah. is probably not unlike what's going to happen when you have people hauling stuff out of dungeons.
0: It's easy to yeah. It's easy if you do that with um, a campaign where the where the, the the conquest of the new world or of a new world or at least some world somewhere is is the overwhelming theme. It's trickier when you get down to nitty gritty details. I can remember trying to work the um, GURPS Traveller third edition um, far trader system and coming to the conclusion after looking at it carefully with a player who was interested in that sort of finicky little detail that it was deeply broken across several different ways and and made absolutely no sense whatsoever oh, it worked for me oh well oh <laughs> well well maybe you're an economist at least it says so on a piece of paper you you probably managed to grasp it um what one really
1: gets out of that particular system is Given two planets and mm-hmm. the distance between them, yeah, this is roughly how much trade is flowing between them, mm-hmm. and that is a useful number to have. All right, um, yes. And then if, if if there's a lot of it, then you, then you can say that trade route is probably going to be dominated by big ships that uh, PCs can't compete with because PCs are in small ships. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, here here is a small thing, which uh, a small route which only produces enough trade for you know one ship every month or two, and that's that's
0: probably where a PC ought to be going. Mm-hmm. Logically speaking, um, even on something like the scale of Traveller, even a small far trader um, ship is going to be make, uh, do, doing enough to make economic differences to the small planets he calls on. And yes, but, that, but that,
1: that that's the nifty thing about the far trader system. It assumes that there is more or less a steady state going on, mm. which, which is generally what you want before PCs start blowing things up. And after. Um and it's it's saying there there is about this much trade going between this pair of worlds. Yeah. Um, somebody is carrying that, yeah. Uh, maybe it's the PCs, maybe it's somebody else. But that 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 tells you the sort of stuff that's going to be flowing and uh, the sort of numbers of ships you're looking at, mm-hmm. and things of that sort, which, which is useful. That that that's the what the PCs are actually interacting with. You know, we, we're going from here to here. Is there enough cargo to make it worth the trip? Mm-hmm. Uh, who else are we going to meet? okay that sort of thing
0: yeah we've got away from cheating
1: we were going to talk about cheating Yeah, but it is simulation um all right, all right another uh look, looking at the enemy's plans um my world war two with magic campaign yeah. which i was running yesterday um that just looking at the various german occult organizations yeah. of which there do seem to have been several historically and i've added some more yeah. um they are basically doing very much what Nazi politics actually did, which is competing mostly against each other.
0: Yeah, having grand plans and begging for funding.
1: Yep. Yeah. so they, they, they each have their own goals and resources. They're, they're basically playing politics. Um, I know, roughly speaking, who is in charge of each faction, what their personalities are like, roughly what their resources and goals are. Yeah. I don't have detailed numbers for any of this. I, I just have a general sense of this is a fairly big organisation and this is a fairly small one. But because their magical operations are quite small, the PCs can have a significant effect on them. So, for example, uh, one organisation lost a bunch of agents in England, um, got back some information about what had happened to them, set up a trap, mm. which ended up losing them a whole bunch more agents, at which point, one could at least theorise, somebody in high command said, right, that's enough, stop wasting, stop wasting money, let these other blokes have a go. And th- there was a significant change in the campaign at about that point, and they met a completely different sort of agent thereafter because they were coming from a different organisation.
0: When there is is an enemy, then what the players do have can have a logical uh, logical consequence. When there isn't an enemy, but there's only, let us say, rivals and other people in the same business, then that's slightly different, and that gets into the economic modelling problem. I've got... Um, this coming up in a way, my um, Earth 1100 uh, game, which is restarted, has um, has players going out. The expedition is from their home base is mostly about making contact with um, other bits of the Christian Church, but they're also trying to build up um, trade possibilities. And I've got to make that a interesting and be realistic enough that the that The players will not say hang on a minute this makes absolutely no sense
1: the way i would model that at a a basic level is each community is more or less surviving on its own yes at the moment so what what you look what you look for is what have they got a surplus of Mm. and what have they got a demand for first yeah and if if there's one place that's got hugely fertile land and the other one is is on um, tough land but there's lots of minerals underneath it Mm. then there is an obvious possible exchange of food in one direction minerals in the other
0: yeah well, what they what they the, they have is a uh, large amounts of the black forest, which the elves are allowing them to chop down because it's infested with orcs. <laughs> um, and what they need is virtually anything they can get their hands on, uh, especially to trade on to, for, to 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 further targets on the other side of the of the settlement.
1: If they're in a similar position with respect to resources. That um, they may not be doing that much actual trading, but they may well have different craftsmen who are good at different things, and they'll. they'll and then, then you've got a small, high-value trade. Yeah, they are
0: as opposed to huge well. wagon trains of crops or whatever. Yeah, They um shifting crops are there, uh, at this stage of development would be would would be de- deeply deeply dumb. Um, if you, if your area is starving, then uh, it's probably going to starve. There aren't the ships. There aren't the uh, there there aren't the other forms of transport to it to get large amounts of food anywhere. Yeah, but that that might well be something that uh, develops over time. I mean,
1: presumably that they're, you know, they're cutting down trees. Mm. That they're, they're they're presumably building roads to get the trees
0: out. Paths. Yeah, but uh, their problem is they're cutting down more trees, and they they are not growing fast enough. So well, I will have to worry about that at another time.
1: Yes, but that's going to make travel between settlements easier and cheaper because you've got a road, or at least a track, rather than a forest to go through. Yeah. Um, And once you get enough trades that people actually do it on on any sort of regular basis, you're going to get parasites on that.
0: All right. Um, And so on. Is there there a limit in any system to the amount of hand-waving you can put in? As far as I'm concerned, it's
1: whatever the uh, players don't object to. Or the GM. Okay. When it when it starts feeling unrealistic to somebody, yeah. the, the suspension of disbelief gets broken.
0: Yeah, that is true. I I find I want to get on with the story. I don't want to suspend things and say, well, we'll come back and have a look at that at another time. But sometimes I have to. Sometimes I can't deal with it at the table. I have to take it away and chop it apart. And that's uh, that's not good. I would like to be a system for everything that I'm liable to run into in the game, but I realise this is not a realistic desire.
1: Yeah, I, I think economics in particular is sufficiently complex that a lot of it has to be handled case by case just by learning about it and applying mm. what one's learned about it. I, I don't think one could really say, uh, here, here are two settlements of this many people, what's the trade between them, with, without answering a lot more questions first. Yeah. Broadly speaking, if you're trading with someone, it's because you, you can get a thing that they have more cheaply than making it yourself. This is true. Uh, including transport costs mm. and including the risks of transport. Yeah. And looking at actual medieval England, there wasn't a lot of trade of cheap stuff. Mm. Um, there wasn't a lot of travel. Um, travel was dangerous and expensive and you, you generally had no reason to do it. But we are heroes. Yeah. Um, so possibly bonkers, but never mind. Yeah, but but if they are the only people who are travelling, then they, they may well get other commissions. You know, pl- please tell us who's over there and, and what they want to trade. Please carry this letter to my um, cu- cousin, whom I
0: haven't seen for years. Yeah, as I say, the whole uh, pretext for this voyage is um, the Bishop of Mehan has sent us a, a, a letter. He, I think, I think he's checking out whether we're orthodox or not. <laughs>
1: But, there will uh, issues uh, uh, at least some of the time uh, a, lot, a lot of the people travelling will will be um, related to the
0: church yeah um, well having thrashed this out have we thrashed this out or is there more to be said well the, there
1: is there's is, some um, the the extreme case um okay. game designer's workshop uh back in the 1980s had published Twilight 2000 and that was winding down they, they, and they were thinking about their next game which was uh, originally called Traveler 2300 yeah um, and they decided that the, these settings were going to be linked. So they ran a big strategic game. It was just called The Great Game. Each player had one country. They took something like five or ten years of return mm-hmm. to see how the world would develop from its initial state of mostly having been new to um and, and see where it would go. Yeah. The, the rules were never actually published. It was fairly freeform and was described as civilization like um, so It sounds like a
0: mi- microscope but with more crunchy bits. Which, which is fine if, if you actually want to generate a history. This,
1: mm. is, this is lovely. Um, the, the slight problem is that if if you were trying to run this in parallel with a role-playing campaign, you know, you, you're running a week or a month-long turn yeah. to keep up with what the PCs have been up to. It's just going to be too much faff, too much admin to keep, keep well, track of everything. Um, but, but it did produce some odd
0: but quite interesting results, so, in, including the French Star Empire Yeah. But of course, my lord. I there is um, as a counterexample, Rain, uh, Greg Stoltz's um, excellent game, um, which puts onto a cap system onto the one-roll engine, which allows you to be the leaders of a group, whether it's a criminal, from a criminal gang up to the leaders of nations, trying to improve your power and status against other similarly statted out um systems. I've used it a little and I think it has some very interesting ideas. I'm not sure I'm not sure how, how good it would be, how sustainable for long term play. But it certainly has um certainly has potential for being able to run that sort of thing. And the fact that I happen to enjoy a slightly crunchier system most of the time like gerbs is the only thing that uh, prevents me from uh, uh, running this sort of thing um, with rain.
1: There is a thing that I've I've heard of people doing with various game systems, uh, though not done myself, which is write, writing up the organisations as if they were characters just on an arbitrarily larger scale.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, if you're doing things like uh, Fate, which can describe, which can add tags, uh, which have some effect to um, uh, to a person or an organisation. Then that seems to be the easiest way way to do that. If you you've tagged this country as militaristic and paranoid, then you've got two traits which are sometimes advantages and sometimes disadvantages.
1: Yeah, but it, even in, even in a relatively crunchy system, if you if you can have some sort of uh, proxy number for military strength, for example, mm-hmm. um, that then at least if those numbers are out in the open, then then the leaders of the countries can can decide plausibly. Yeah. Uh, are, are we going to invade these guys are we going to try to keep them off our backs with
0: diplomacy mm. and so on
1: and, and try to play to their strengths
0: yeah there are always factors you don't take into consideration um, as the wehrmacht um, discovered um, trying to invade russia There it's not just the russians have um, have just executed most of their generals that's a helping factor it's not it's not that um that they are disorganised um, Bolshevik rabble, it's the fact you've got to travel so damn far to to get at their core, and the weather, and the the roads
1: and the rails. And you really wanted to start about four months earlier, but you didn't get the chance to because other things were
0: happening. Yeah. Oh yes,
1: and you you expected to be able to use their rail
0: system. Yeah, yeah. There's always a factor you 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 don't you don't go into. I think you have to rely on the players to remind you of what those factors are. I, I certainly... This is one of the reasons I like... I'm not sure if one can quite call it a cooperative
1: style of roleplay, but certainly not an adversarial style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the classic dungeon bash where the, the players are trying to keep their PCs alive and the GM is trying to come up with ways to kill them. It's uh, fun. I'm, I'm playing in one of those at the moment. It can be quite fun, but it, but the more complex the campaign gets, the, the more, I think at least, that the GM benefits by getting the players on his side and saying, okay... Help! Help me work this stuff out.
0: Yeah, it it does argue against the air of omnip, omnipotence and omniscience that I'm trying to develop here. But <laughs> um, yes, yeah, sometimes you have to say, "I need little help." And on that note, I think uh, we come to the next thing. Some of you may be able to hear there is uh, thunder and uh, possibly lightning going on in the background here in High Wycombe, which is a suitably um Jehovian note for me to move into our next section, which we are, we call uh, Out of the Cupboard, in which we drag out games which we have played in the past and enjoyed, uh, but which we aren't playing at the moment, and look at them and see whether it would be a good idea to start again or whether they need some work. And this week, um we're going to be looking at in a Nominee, which is steve jackson's game of uh playing either angels or devils um in a universe um where the really important thing is going on are things are going on in above humans heads but this this doesn't start this Jackson. Games, no it, it started with um a french company whose name is this instant i forget who published a game called in Nominee satanis and uh, then um, uh, another version called Magna Veritas for the good guys, uh, which um, again featured uh, angels and demons battling, battling out. Uh, Steve Jackson games like this, but took their own spin on it. I have not read because I'm not that fluent in French, and it's never been translated. Mm. Um, the the original, but I'm told it has a more satirical turn to it, and also tends to end up more like superheroes. Which is um, something that also can happen with uh, Steve Jackson games. All right. So, what, what, what's good about it? What, what, what
1: is the basis? the The universe setup sounds interesting, at least presumably fairly manicured.
0: Well, it, uh, that's a technical theological term, but yeah, there are two sides. They are not quite equal. Um, there is God and his angels. There is Lucifer and his his demons. Lucifer. It is hail outside. What's wrong? Yeah. If I get struck by lightning up when I go home, um, this will be some sort of uh, message. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put an appropriate note at the end of the podcast. Thank <laughs> you. The uh, God has withdrawn to the higher heavens, and Lucifer is still walking about under the earth and upon the earth and, and doing things um, with his band of fallen angels. It's been a while since, um, the, uh, since uh, Lucifer withdrew his labour, and, uh, and and about a third of the forces of heaven, and the fight continues um, on Earth and in the celestial realm as well. So I, I assume it's taking the
1: basis that the, the rebellion of Lucifer might or might not actually have been justified, but they, they don't actually want to pin down.
0: Well, it's it, there are um, what, what what are actually called rigidly defined areas of doubt and uncertainty. <laughs> Uh, but it's pretty, uh, clearly um, indicated that though Lucifer may, um, may may use the propaganda of uh, freedom and rebellion and revolution, um, he's not in favour of freedom for any of the people working for him. Freedom so, to do what Lucifer tells you. Uh, freedom to cooperate in the mighty cause. Uh, it should be noted that um, though there is a demon princess of freedom, Lilith. There is no angel of freedom. Uh, that should tell you something. Be this as it may, you're playing either angels or uh, or demons, and they use they're both classified as celestials, and use um, a unified set of mechanics. Do not, whatever you do, if you are not a gibbering idiot, uh, run a, a game in which both the players are both demons and angels. I'll come back to that. The core mechanic is rolling uh, two dice of one colour and a third uh, dice of another colour. And the two dice um, are rolled against target numbers and the dice of another colour indicates how successful the result is. Um, this is what they call a D666. And if you, um, allows you to, a special interpretation of the two extreme rolls. If you roll three sixes, then you somehow invoke the powers of hell. And um, this is very good if you happen to be playing a, a, a demon. And very bad if you happen to be playing an angel. And likewise, if you roll three ones, then um, that's the sign of the Trinity. And it's very good if you happen to be playing an angel. Very bad if you happen to be playing a, a demon. Right. And the uh, divine powers intervene and screw up your plans. <laughs> um, though I mentioned the Trinity there, the game has as another one of its um, rigidly defined areas of doubt and uncertainty. Uh, where, which particular one of the monotheistic religions happens to be the right or best or truest one, but um, and they do allow for salvation for non Christians in some of the supplements, non monotheists in some of the supplements. It it does sound as though it's, it's using some some of the more um,
1: abstruse bits of the Old Testament as a baseline though, and and some of the theology that's been built on top of them. De-
0: definitely, yeah. Um, uh, the book, book, book of Enoch is uh, definitely those of you who know what that is, it's definitely been incorporated, and the Nephilim are referred to, and the Grigori are there as a a choir of entirely fallen angels, and um, let me not get into theological geekery. This is a game (laughs) for theological geeks, and I am one, but I'm trying to make it generally interesting. Um, In addition to there being skills and uh, uh, and roles of that that sort, there are also songs. Now, the central metaphor for the for the universe is a great symphony, and um, the celestials can all hear music of the symphony in the background, like a sort of eternal hurry mo- music or mood music um, in the background, and they can tell things that are going on from the sound of the symphony. Okay. And so their spells aren't spells, um, or superpowers, they're songs. You sing them uh, to invoke them. Um, And that leads to another metaphor, which is that demons and angels were never supposed to get involved in human affairs. The symphony is supposed to go on with the humans playing their part and uh, and singing their songs into God's eternal eternal score. When angels or demons do things, effective things in in the, the mundane world, it makes a noise, a change in the symphony, the discord.
1: So this is basically a power cap. You can't just use huge powers to do all this stuff because...
0: Because the other side is going to hear and is going to want to take action. And therefore you've got to limit how much of your own energy and power you use. You have to avoid harming things directly which is why human uh, tools and pawns are very useful for both sides, uh, because a human can kill another human, and it's just uh, part of the symphony. That's one of the things they do. Yeah, Um, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's bad, Um, and sometimes they break windows, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad. If an angel or a demon does that, that's noisy and may be noticed. Character generation is mostly controlled by what type of... Celestial, you are, and who you work for. It's a two-way uh, grid, I suppose. You are one of the member of one of the choirs of angels, or one of the bands of demons. Most of the bands are types of fallen fallen angels mm-hmm. um, who've been perverted from their original purpose or liberated, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. And you've also got a boss, one of the archangels or one of the or one of the demon princes. So, uh, you're a cherub working for Gabriel, the archangel of fire, or you're a balseraph of Saminga, uh, the demon prince of death. Um, a balseraph is a fallen seraph. Mm-hmm. Oh, got that. Each of the superiors gives the celestial a t- t- specific type of power. The balseraph of Saminga, you'll be fascinated to know, can break that law about not harming humans as long as he tears them to pieces with his bare hands. <laughs> And each type of celestial has a specific thing that they mustn't do, because if they do, they get bum notes in the symphony, and that gives them, pe- uh, which accumulate, that gives them penalties against just about everything they have to do. Right. Seraphim can't lie. Um, uh, Shedim, the demons who go around possessing people, have to corrupt the person they're possessing a little more every single day, hey. every day, and every way, are getting slightly nastier and nastier. And, each and
1: so, so not doing that is the thing that, that messes is, them up.
0: That messes them up. You've got, you've got to make them more, more evil every day. Uh, and each superior gives you another way to earn bum notes, which is called dissonance in the game. Um, so angels working for Mark, the Archangel of Trade, uh, must keep their given word once they once the, once they're freely given it. Mm-hmm. They can't, they can't break promises. Enough bum notes and an angel might find themselves, uh, falling. Um, because angels still fall, mm-hmm. and enough bum notes and a demon might find themselves turning renegade, no longer being attuned to the powers of hell. It, both sides have secret police <laughs> come after you and would rather you be broken up for, your, for spare parts than um, uh, recruit, be recruited onto the other side or even just get away. It's also true that the, the angels and demons and the celestials are... More robotic, less, more simpler characters than human beings. They have definite. Human beings can have goals, and they can change, but they can change their nature. Mm-hmm. An angel or a demon ha- has purposes, functions. And they can't change their nature, which in some ways makes role playing easier. N-
1: not the one wants to make snarky comments about role players liking stereotypes. Well, I, no, no,
0: yeah. I think I think as long as it's a clearly drawn stereotype and you understand what you're getting into and you have some choice, then this is not not necessarily a bad thing. So you got this set up two sides in the, with immense power, but wanting to avoid triggering an all out war, using the territory between them as battleground.
1: So it's basically a Cold War.
0: Yeah, it's a Cold War, the biggest Cold War there ever has been. But there it seems like there's a lot you could do with it, but there were problems which is part of some of which is why I'm not playing the game anymore. The most significant problem for me was the fact that human beings got lost in the mush. I mean, you'd think that human beings were what the game were were, were about. But they be it sounds as if they they're your scoring points rather than Yeah. Uh, you remember that dreadful card game SJ she did um, Burning hell. Oh, where, I have a copy of it. Yeah, I, I don't anymore. Where you were, where you were demons collecting sets of uh, of, of of souls for points. Um, it could get to be a little like that. Mechanically, human beings vanish into the into the into the, into the course system. There, there's no way they can stand up against some of the um, some of the celestial powers. I've never met a human had a realistic chance. Of resisting uh, Belsarath's lying ability. Belsarath can tell you, can convince you briefly that your mother was in fact a duck. Um, this is starting to remind me a bit of uh, some of the uh, White Wolf World of
1: Darkness stuff which, which came out I think yeah. a few years before this, um, in that this, this, is a, this is a game basically about creatures who, who are more powerful than humans, yeah. at least in most respects, and so be, because you're trying to keep the scale fairly small and manageable the humans tend to blend into each other and be somewhere near the bottom of it. Yeah,
0: they do. Well, it's true. Um, and as with uh, White Wolf's uh, World of Darkness games, there is a tendency for the supernatural beings to become superheroes like. Yeah. Um. And this is not um that the human beings become the crunchies, as I believe I've heard um, nasty equivalents call um, uh, call call, call uh, civilian bystanders. Human beings are supposed to have free will. In fact, that's part of what they're... And, and there's some dispute in the game about whether angels or demons do. But they become unimportant in the game.
1: Except, presumably, in the, in the aggregate.
0: Yeah, except in, in in the aggregate. There was a GURPS in Nomine, yep. um, which I, I have a copy of somewhere, but it didn't really work. I can see a good GURPS game being run in which you are the mortals in the universe where the angels and demons are powers behind the universe and are mostly hand-waved.
1: It could end up feeling a lot like paranoia.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've never quite thought of high programmers that way before, but, uh, yes.
1: It, it, it does seem to me um, that that GURPS in nominee was for 3rd edition, and 3rd edition, while it was good in many respects, didn't high, handle high-powered characters desperately well. Mm. I think if one possibly were to convert that to 4th edition, it might do, might do a slightly better job, because
0: it, it's got that Got the power system baked into the core rules, rather than it, it's true. Adult. But uh, but again, whatever way you, you you define it, even going up against a, a beginning level celestial, most humans are 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 meat. Perhaps it was a fault of mine in design setting, but I never may I never managed to make the the humans feel important as individuals to to the demons or to the angels for that matter. Uh, another thing that
1: strikes me as uh, quite bold well of darkness like is what might call the matrix of character generation. You you pick yeah. one out of this column, one out of that column, and you get Yeah, your, uh... your character template. Which is not always a bad thing. It, it, uh, my feeling is that it, if, if you do that, then characters w- within a particular cell in the matrix tend to blend into each other because they've got this set of nifty powers and that set of nifty powers, and there's not really much room for customization. But if they the didn't, they route. didn't
0: go the template route that um, White Wolf did, and uh, right. in many ways, I regretted that they didn't. Um, I found some of the finicky details of character generation. A little too heavy for my brain. The songs, in the list of the full list of songs is this is, it, this is neat powers, basically neat, uh, neat, neat, neat powers. Boggled my mind. It, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as looking the, at the charms list in exalted, but it wasn't the com- comfy warm I now had to handle this feeling I get out of the Goethe's magic system.
1: I wonder if one might. You know, this is a list of things that that powers that have specific effects. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, the stuff you burn time and essence, which is. Uh, the power source of the of the celestials most humans have pitiful amounts of essence um, uh, you burn that burn that uh, burn the, that to, that that to use yeah i wonder whether it might be interesting
1: to look at a more syntactic magic style system like osmagico or, or mage so so you have a small number of powers which are fairly broad
0: there are there is an element like that in the game, which is the word. One of the aims for a campaign that rises to high level, which mine never did, is for uh, player characters to become word bound. The the words are the are the things that are sung about in in the symphony. As long as they are present in the symphony, um, then the angel who who has that word is strong and can draw power from it and has rituals and uh, special effects that they can do right you uh the uh gabriel is the archangel of fire dominic is the archangel of justice now you're not going to become um the archangel or the demon of fire but if you were um a follower of belial the um, demon prince of fire you might become the demon of napalm and right. as long as people are going out there napalming um other people, then, uh, then you, uh, uh, then you have got power and, and the universe, and, you, and your job is to go out and make sure that Napalm stays in style. Could be really quite embarrassing if you're the Demon Prince of Landmines. Uh, if you're the Demon, yeah, if you're the Demon. Well, you know, the demon, demon of landmines, demon prince is, 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 is way up there. You're not gonna, <laughs> you know, you, you know, yeah, yeah. There is a demon prince of the media, though, just to show that it can be done. But of
1: course. I know that is. Um, yeah. Another, another thing that struck me, uh, you, you've got this, presum- you've got this fairly wide range of possible characters. The, the GM has decided angels or demons. Yeah. But that that's pretty much the, the only recommendation, as far as I can see. Is, is, is there a in-game explanation for why all these completely diverse angels or demons are are working together
0: uh basically our well, task forces are, produ- are are formed for particular purposes you c- for uh, to to look after a particular city to solve particular problems you could all be working for or be delegated to work for the same um uh, the same the same angel a archangel or demon prince if you are tasked by the prince of faction, factions to go out and cause trouble in a particular political um, setup, to uh, to ruin a particular city, or um, or or cause, let us say, the uh, the United States Congress to to collapse in gibbering uh, lunacy.
1: Oh, don't be silly! That could
0: never happen. Yeah. Um. The, then you might might have a task force drawn from uh, from from various princes, but it should be noted that the politics of hell are worse than the politics of paranoia. Um, <laughs> and the politics of heaven runs it a, a, a close second. Or you could be working for the Archangel of Destiny and making sure that people get their good endings to their lives and are happy and and, and achieve hev- heaven. and Just, you know, wander about and do that sort of good stuff. So you, That's you Touched by an a- Angel, the RPG. Hey.
1: But you, it sounds as if you've got a fairly wide range of things that you can do in a campaign. It's not yeah. going to be okay. What are the demons up to this week, and how can we thwart them?
0: Um, well, it, it might it might be, but there are. I'm told that the default um, things that uh, that campaigns tend to fall, fall into is for angels. They become a uh, James Bond, uh, a double O seven class because they're a they're good at gathering information. B they can kick the shit out of the enemy, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, for demons, it's power building and um, and uh, f- forming and uh, uh, protecting your own career and uh, crawling up the the, the corporate hierarchy, uh, whilst not offending your boss too much or only betraying him at the very the uh, very precise moment.
1: Yeah, I, I've got the impression that particularly at high power levels, it starts to get pretty unbalanced. Which I suppose yeah. is it not unique to this system, by any means.
0: But well, the, the the superiors are never statted out as such. They're just assume to be able to walk all over you mm. um, in tricky ways um, in in any way they feel like.
1: Well, th- those of us who remember deities and demigods, <laughs> there, there is a failure mode of having stats for the, for the uh, divine yeah. beings and that is PCs are going to beat them up it and is take also their stuff.
0: <laughs> I should mention, do not, as I said earlier, uh, go run the temptation of trying to run angels and demons together. The circumstances historically in the background there are Menaces, usually, of um, really high-powered celestials have got out of hand, which both sides want to take down. Right. But the chances of that happening again are minimal, and the chances of uh, your puny player characters being invited to get involved in the taking down, well, it might happen once at the end of a very, very long campaign. But Right. And do not do what a gibbering idiot sitting here talking to you once did, and run a campaign in which you alternated from week to week, playing angels and demons in the same city. It's a, it's a sign of shame on my, on my GMing record, and um, a, a sign of great tolerance amongst my players that they let me get away with it. Hey.
1: It seems not impossible, but tricky.
0: Mm. I, think, I think if I were to do that again, I'd do it with different cities on opposite sides of the globe, and weave the story together at the climax. The closest I came to that was two
1: separate groups in Reign of Steel. In theory, they were were going to be in roughly the same place and hear about each other's exploits, but in practice, one of them just got through stuff very much faster than the other, so it didn't really happen.
0: Mm. There are other problems I had with the game, mechanical ones. Um, As I mentioned earlier, one of the major issues is is the noise Celestial Actions cause and the chance of it being uh, heard by the opposition. The mechanics of this are highly deficient. There is a rule for saying, um, if I know there's a demon over there, and I know how far away he is, uh, can he hear what I've just done? Mm-hmm. But that's not really realistic unless you've plotted out every ruddy demon, say on the continent that you are um, uh, that you are playing on. You, you might want a sort of ge- general awareness level. Yeah, you want a, a a general presence of the enemy background level, and that's something that the the system just didn't provide me uh, with. There's a, a topic to be discussed of, of systems that the that the game really ought to provide for the GM's comfort and doesn't. Um, people are too easy, uh, to, people are too often assume that you know what. What they're talking about when they describe things in the rules, and you ought to be able to handwave this. I think this is something that's changed over time. And
1: looking at original Traveller, you were simply expected to generate your own mm. uh, subsector with, with with planets and so on, and make up all, pretty much all the background yourself. Yeah, but at least you had and dice
0: you can, you can roll and, table, yeah, and but, tables you can look at.
1: And it, it's now assumed that you'll be, you'll be able to buy
0: a book with all that stuff in it. Mm. As I say, the design process and the design process of characters could have been easier. Templates in the superiors books, here's a set of followers of Mark, here's a set of followers of Belial. That would have made my life, life easier. I, I can see reasons why Steve Jackson Games didn't want to do that. But They had the, the horrid example of, uh, of what White Wolf did with it, but it would have made life a little easier for mm. the average character. Uh, it's not a game, um, I suppose it should be obvious to say, which should be played if you or your players have um, sensitivity issues over theology or a conviction that you know what the right way is and um, a tendency to object to what I think one might broadly call heresy.
1: Um, yeah, I think one, one could say that this game could be heretical to practically everyone who follows that, who subscribes to the concept at all.
0: Well, no! I, I mean, there, there is enough. As I say, you could play this uh, game uh, with a firm conviction in your own mind that one particular brand of Christianity, say, is the is the one true faith. It'd be hard to account for the, um, you or you'd have to airbrush out the 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 Muslim angel, angel of archangel of faith. But um, on the whole, and and the and possibly the Catholic archangel of the sword, and mm. but on the whole, it could be done. I think this is a feature rather than a bug, even for those of us who, who, um, as I say, are theology nerds, because I've seen numbers of theologically themed games which have got a particular solution in mind. It does tend to restrict uh, the flow of storytelling. The impression I've got is that
1: they've they've taken elements from a lot of different places, but Hmm. they're not saying any particular
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, They've got their own syncretic approach. Yeah, and they have decided that uh, not to depict the heaven as perfect. Um, The archangel of judgment, um, who who runs heaven's secret police and um, Mm -hmm. will interrogate you uh, for hours on end if uh, if he suspects you've done anything wrong, has has a guilt complex about the fact he let Lucifer get away with so much. Um, Gabriel Mm -hmm. Gabriel is uh, out of his stroke. Her tiny mind. Due to the, uh, the 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 grating sound um, coming from the fact that uh, that uh, he strokes, she shares um, um, a word with Belial, mm. um, and uh, and the Archangel of Creation has uh, decided to go sod it all and has go, uh, gone on a permanent walkabout on Earth, and mm-hmm. is uh, being looked for for interrogation by the Archangel of Destiny, and and lots of uh, and though it's not as bad as hell, there is a list of which Archangels do not like each other. Right. Um, so, and God, you can tell, as as, as I said earlier, decided not to get directly involved anymore. But he's perched up in the higher heavens, and only intervenes really very occasionally. Waiting for the people to grow up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to prefer playing good guys. It's it's irritating for some of my people Thanks. I play with and people I GM. I find it uh, evil a little tedious. But I think if there were ever another edition, or if I ever got my, my thumb out and addressed some of the uh, mechanical problems, I might have a lot of fun uh, playing the office politics of hell for laughs, because I don't think you mm. could... Um, and and um, on the other hand, and on the alternative, perhaps a, a, a set of angels who actually get involved in the lives of humans, as I said, um, a, a, a team working for... Um, the Archangel of Destiny popping up in people's lives and, uh, and here is your briefing. Here's what we want you to do. And no, you're not going to get to know everything that's going to go on. You need to know all that.
1: Yeah, it, it does occur to me that particularly on, on the demonic side of the game, what, what one would have to do is build a worldview such that, lo- like any non-mad being, they reckon they're doing the right thing. They... And you, you'd play up the, the freedom and independence and stuff. Um,
0: it, yeah, except that human beings in in the view of hell are being liberated for the purposes of being used as uh, raw materials and fuel. Um, eventually, um, um, those who are damned, at most people, it has to be said, most people achieve neither their fate, which involves them going to hell, or their destiny, which involves them going to heaven, but are reincarnated for another try, mm-hmm. but. Hell takes its tithe, and heaven takes its tithe out of the system, every time.
1: Yeah, the the problem I have here is, at the very least, you have you have to have um, demons believing that what they're doing is the right thing to be doing.
0: Yeah, um, um,
1: it, 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 it may be a very different set of ethics from anything that we'd recognise, but but it has to be there and be consistent.
0: Free, the, they, free, free, uh, they 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 believe, as far as I can tell, that uh, Jehovah god the uh the big boss is oppressing and cramping their style denying them their free will and using them as mere tools and that their current alliance is a way to liberate everyone they smell a lot like libertarians in some <laughs> ways hey uh provoked reactions possibly from uh religious sorts and also from certain values of political th- sorts. It's a game I have enjoyed in the past and my at least one of my players wants me to start running it again via the internet. Maybe so one day. That would be interesting.
1: So so what what would you do with it if you if you took it up now?
0: I think if I were to do it um in a fixed location, I would try and keep things low key. I would try to make humans their salvation or damnation important to the uh, to, to to the player characters and not make them disposable and I would focus it either on the team mission or on a particular place I think making um, the place that they were stationed in real would matter a lot last time I did it with the semi disaster in um a recently, um, a recently liberated, um, just out from behind the Iron Curtain, Eastern European country, mm-hmm. which I called Euphrania in uh, honour of uh, The Slipper and the Rose, which is a very uh, silly uh, British musical that I'm fond of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, them being about the angels were working for uh, the Angel of Revo- Revolutions, who is called Marianne. And um, is one of the the angels also have a a choir who go around possessing people, and she's one of them. Right. And uh, they were trying to make sure everything came out all right and on top, and the demons were, of course, attempting to make sure uh, that it came out as corrupt, slimy, and depressing as hell. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, it it does seem to me
1: that uh, using Ken Heights' principle of of picking real world history in places or wherever possible. Mm I, I'm just thinking, if if you were looking for demonic plots in the news, this might not be good for long-term mental health. But there's going to be a plentiful supply. <laughs> uh, some, yeah, any sort of modern conspiracy game, you, you can pick stuff out of the news and say, right, this is going to turn into an adventure.
0: Yeah, um, there there are. I don't know why. I I don't really like the um, the published adventures for this. Some of the small scale ones are quite fun. There's a thing called the very Nybass Cri- Christmas, um, which is about, uh, Nybas being the aforementioned demon prince of the media, uh, which is about a attempt to uh, devalue the value of Christmas by having a, 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 uh, department store run Christmas all the year round. <laughs> and there are, there are, there are a few other nice little things, but the big large scale, um, Adventure, which they 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 published with it, um, was so high powered right from the start that I couldn't be doing with it. Um, it didn't help. There are a lot of people out there who enjoy this game, and it's still got some sort of support out of S.J.G. But they haven't
1: produced product for it for a, a little while. But there is the occasion there has been the occasional thing on E twenty
0: three. Yeah, um, they are well. They are, I think most of their product nowadays is by. E23.
1: Yeah, but it's it, it's been pretty occasional even before the role playing stuff stopped for Ogre.
0: Yeah, I think on the I think on the whole, I might have fun with this one again, but I have to sit down and do some hard thinking about system and uh, and setting before I before I restart Would you expect to use the original system or or put into something else? I think I probably w- would. I'm not a, I'm not a system maven. I'm sure there are fixes for the things that annoyed me. I'm just not sure that I know what they are yet. Hey. Anyway, please, um, if you, um, if anybody ha- has any grand ideas about uh, what should be done with the system of, in Nominate, if anybody out there is working on a, a, a second, third edition, I'd be fascinated to hear about it. That was Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice with Michael Q and Roger Bell West. Special effects again this month were by the Clerk of the Weather, possibly by Jehovah of the Thunders. And uh, if you have any comments, please send them to us at podcast at And we hope to see you again in a month when we will have a season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. I'm certainly hoping for The mushrooms are growing. Oh, don't they always...